Welcome to the Temple Forum, a podcast from First United Methodist Church in the heart of Chicago. Here we welcome a diversity of voices and conversation about how we live in the world as people of faith. Hello, I'm Jan Engmeyer. This installment of the Temple Forum features a remembrance of a visit from Queen Elizabeth and Prince Philip to Wesley's Chapel in London. With the recent death of Queen Elizabeth II, the longest reigning monarch in British history, the Chicago Temple's theologian in residence, University of Chicago professor William Schweiker, recalls his time as a seminary intern at Wesley's Chapel and the day that the Queen came to visit for a special celebration. Welcome back to the Temple Forum. Thank you very much. It's a joy to be here. Well, first of all, Tell us, how did you come to serve at Wesley's Chapel in London? Well, I was uh, studying at Duke University Divinity School, and the World Methodist Council decided that they should have American um, students for the ministry uh, present for the reopening of the chapel. In the 1970s, the chapel was structurally unsafe. Um, and so a major global building project started to ensure the building's survival. That took four years to complete. They couldn't worship in the church. They were worshiping in uh, local places. Um, the membership dropped to near zero. So they wanted to bring students over and also Methodist students and pastors from England to reopen the chapel and to visit in the neighborhood to regenerate the the congregation. Uh, so it reopened on its 200th anniversary, November 1st, All Saints Day, and 1978, with uh, Queen Elizabeth II and Prince Philip present. I was selected. I don't know all of the processes. And a man named Scott Jones from Perkins School of Theology was also selected to go over. Uh, incidentally, Scott is now a bishop of the United Methodist Church, and I'm a theologian in residence. At the you time. guys turned out okay, right? Yeah, yeah, something like that. Pretty good for Methodists. So tell us about the experience with Queen Elizabeth and Prince Philip at the chapel. What happened? I, I imagine there was a lot of excitement. Oh, yes. Uh, people lining the street, dignitaries from Methodist churches around the world. Uh, particularly American bishops with all their pomp and circumstance, which the British Methodists aren't really into. Um, Secret Service checking the place out. Uh, and then finally, the big day, it was a worship service. It was sort of a rededication of the chapel. The Those of us who were working at the chapel were outside in the front as she came through. Um, I was stunned really by two things. One is how small the queen is. She's a tiny woman with an incredibly huge presence. Really quite amazing. And then the other thing is, was when we got the service going, and it was really lovely, as you can imagine, with choirs and so on. But what was also just breathtaking was Prince Philip's reading of scripture in the most beautiful British accent uh, that you can imagine. 
but people were around the chapel all day and you know and it was full pomp and circumstance this was very important because as we know the methodist church broke off from the church of england we can get into the reasons for that if you like um and uh so this was the defender of the faith the monarch of great britain coming and recognizing the methodist church even though technically she is not the head of the methodist church even if she's defending the faith um in the commonwealth and in the uk well we could do a little sidebar here on uh, mr wesley mr john wesley the founder of the methodist movement because not everybody listening may know that whole story um but he was uh he was an anglican yes through and through and a royalist he was also an oxford professor a brilliant speaker and writer as well as educator um he had conflicts with the church of england over um him having uh circuit riders and missionaries um coming into various towns interestingly enough when they did when the methodists came into a town not only did attendance in church go up but the celebration of the lord's supper as well um and so but where things split and are still contentious is that the church of england initially by henry the eighth split from the roman catholic church but kept the doctrine of apostolic succession that is that every bishop is supposedly in succession back to peter saint peter wesley when he decided to because he was excluded from the church to ordain his own pastor broke that with that notion so methodist bishops do not claim to have apostolic succession and this has been one of the theological bones of contention ever since there you go well Back Wesley was he he is recognized as the uh, one of the world's greatest of evangelists and some think that he helped because of his ministry helped um England escape uh, a war such as hit France the civil war in France yeah well he was a very important figure I don't think that he started out to start a new church correct no no he didn't want to leave the anglican church they're the ones that kicked him out <laughs> so <laughs> well it's funny how life turns out right so anyway back to the queen so we're we're remembering the passing of queen elizabeth ii and her very long service um but there are some who are using the queen's death to criticize the monarchy what are your thoughts about that well twofold i mean i'm not a big fan of monarchies either but this is a constitutional monarchy over a democracy where parliament holds the power um it's a difficult situation on the one hand um charles iii said in some of his opening addresses that he would be the defender of the faith both of the church of england and the church of scotland and of all realms and territories 
but he was pretty clear that this was going to be a much more embracing pluralistic understanding of defending the faith. Um, and I think that's actually what, by her very presence at Wesley's chapel, the way um, Elizabeth II recognized it, although she was a very devout Anglican. So I'm a little concerned on what will happen to the worldwide Anglican communion if this breaks up. We already know what the problem is for the United Methodist Church on these issues. So there's a religious component. component. Politically, um, the queen is sort of the, or the monarch is sort of the cultural um, glue holding together very diverse peoples that were in the previous empire. I understand and think it's right to criti criticize colonial powers, which have been present among human societies as long as we know. Um, merely read the Bible to find out about this. Um, but I'm worried that as we see the world developing into very powerful spheres of influence, the United States, Europe and NATO, China, and now China in conversation with Russia, that if the um, if the you know Commonwealth breaks up too much, it will in fact lose political and economic power. And given the situation in England after Brexit, I'm not sure that that would be a particularly wise thing. So the problem is how to assert the independence of previous colonial states. We know this in America. We've done this for a long time now. But to recognize that, but still understand some kind of connection within the um, United Kingdom and the Commonwealth. And hopefully Charles the third, it will be skillful enough in navigating that minefield. One issue that you brought up that I'd like to follow up on is, um, you know, looking at um, what's going on in the UK now and, and listening to King Charles the third, we're reminded that there is no separation of church and state there. And that things are getting kind of blurry here sometimes. So why does that separation continue to be so important to our democracy and to our churches as compared to their monarchy and their church? Yes, um, it's interesting. There are many state churches throughout Europe and in England, of course, and in Sweden and so on. And their attendances are bottoming out because you're a member of the church in virtue of being a citizen. So it's very interesting that church that nations with churches as voluntary associations, that is, where people just decide they want to be in the church, tend to be flourishing better than state churches. Secondly, I really think that we don't want politicians telling us what to believe. This goes back and is one of the hallmarks of the Protestant Reformation. Martin Luther insisted that the state has no right to command your conscience or what you believe. Protestants have always struggled for freedom of conscience. 
And that's embedded in the American separation of church and state. We also, if you look through history, you don't want clergy people dictating political policy. Uh, this is very dangerous. Think of the Inquisition or think of witch trials in Salem. Um, so it, it's important to see that there'll always be some interaction between these two important human powers, one, how we conduct our social life, and the other in terms of how we conduct our, our lives in relationship to the ultimate questions of human existence. But it's very important if you're going to have the people be sovereign, not, that is to say, a democracy, rather than the state or the church, you got to separate the state and the church. At least that's my judgment. I know there are forces right now working in the United States that are trying to overcome that. I think that is a massive mistake. And I also think it's a great, great mistake to say that the United States is a Christian nation. We are not, have never been, um, and don't want, at least constitutionally don't want to be. Well, on that note, is there anything else you'd like to add or any other parting thoughts on um, Queen Elizabeth II and um, and the royals? Oh, one thing is they put on a really good show, right? And oh, yeah. there, there is a level of um, you know, the pomp and circumstance, but dignity that goes with it as well. Yes, one of the things that and Wesley adopted much of the liturgy uh, and um, canons of theology from the Anglican Church. There's a deep awareness within the English mindset, and particularly the Anglican Church, of how important it is to be tied back to the beginnings of Christianity. Um, and that tradition plays a role in all human lives. We all like to think about who our parents are, our grandparents are, our great-grandparents, where we came from. All of those signal the ways in which human beings make sense out of their lives by placing themselves within various traditions. And uh, the royals really understand this point and understand how that gives uh, a nation a way of understanding itself within the, the whirlwind of history. Um, and yeah, they do it great. It was the reopening was as much pomp and circumstance as you can imagine. Um, we were all dolled up in our cassocks and dog collars and, um, you know, and they were all in their Philip had his medals on. I mean, it was really quite, quite amazing. And even that, again, recognizes that the, that the Methodist communion is somehow related to this tradition of the Anglican Church. Yeah, so it's, it was extremely important, I think. What was funny is that you see these Methodist bishops coming over, and Methodism didn't really do this, particularly in the States, and yet they tried to put on as many robes and <laughs> cast, you know, stoles as possible. So 
<laughs> we're not the flashiest religion, that's for sure. So, no. uh, yeah, no. denomination, yeah. yeah. Austerity to it. So, I, I mean, I think what one has to kind of as a closing shot, all of this shows, no matter what the current situation is with the Christian churches, there's something very deep in global culture and in human life about these connections to these religions. And Christianity, I've always thought, is has a certain genius. I think it's built around the notion of the incarnation, that God came, became human, that Christianity doesn't have a sacred language. It doesn't have one sacred place like the Jerusalem. It can go anywhere and become incarnate in any cultural situation. And I hope and pray, if I may say so, that Charles III understands that. And therefore, defending the faith means defending the incredible variety of ways of being Christian in this world. So that's what I take from it. That's a good note to end on. Thank you very much, Professor William Schweiker of the University of Chicago and the theologian in residence at the First United Methodist Church of the Chicago Temple. We appreciate you sharing your remembrances of Queen Elizabeth at Wesley's Chapel in London and your other thoughts just on the status of where we are in the world and how we might get along better together. So I'm Jan Engmeyer. Thank you for listening to this edition of the Temple Forum. Thank you. You've been listening to the Temple Forum from First United Methodist Church in Chicago. You can find more conversations like this online at chicagotemple.org or wherever you get your podcasts. Please join us again soon.